He didn't say no. Pray any way you want to. He said, after this manner, pray you. Our Father. So the first thing he did was he gathered the disciples up into the mindset that God is your Father. That's what he did. God is your Father. Our Father, which art in heaven, and God is of heaven. And his name is hallowed. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'll stop right there. You can go and read the rest of it. That's in Matthew, I believe, chapter 6. So, so his mind was for the believer to pray that the kingdom would come in earth as the same as it is in heaven. That's the mind of the Lord. Now, what's wrong is that's not our mind. See, this is what's wrong. The church doesn't have that mind. Much of the church. It's not in the mind that the kingdom of God is going to come in the earth as it is in heaven. Much of the church's mind is you're going to get us out of the earth. I heard a brother years ago, and I ain't heard this in a long time, but I can't even tell you who it was. It could have been Brother Stanley. But years ago, brother was talking about the steeples on the church buildings. And this first brother said they got them pointed the wrong way. So they got the steeple pointed like everything's going up. But God said the kingdom to come down from up down. I'm probably not quoting exactly how he said it. And like I said, I can't remember if it was Henry or another brother Jay or some other brother we were listening to. But he was talking about reversing the mindset. And reversing the mindset is very difficult in people. Because people get things in their mind, and it's like the old saying, it's like pulling teeth to get it out of their mind. You know, you have to work at it. Dentists work at it and work at it and get that thing out. And sometimes we need God to just like pull teeth with our mind and just work at it to get it out of our mind. Because we got a lot of things in our mind. I remember when the Lord confronted me with some stuff in my mind. And it was like, oh dear. This stuff's not in your word. But I believed. I had it in my mind. Had it in my heart. I was all about it. And... Being confronted with God is, is, honey, it's the best thing that happens to us as we get confronted with Him. Because when He confronts us, He begins to change our minds. And we all need a mind change. That's what the Bible, a lot of the Scriptures about in the New Covenant is a renewing, a renovation. The word renew in some places, maybe all of them, means renovate. And when, a re when you renovate something, what do you do with it? It's new. It's not the same old thing anymore. It's not the same thing made better. A renovation 
is something new taking place there. And that's what the gospel's all about, is something new taking place in you and me. And we have to allow that to take place. It doesn't, I said this last week, God doesn't just knock us over the head. Sometimes, I know I would like to knock people over the head, but that doesn't work. But God is a gentleman. And as a gentleman, He allows things. He allows things in our life. Everything that comes in our life isn't just God's will. Everything we do isn't the will of God. It just isn't. We can believe that. Well, you know, another saying we like to have is God is in control. In the big picture, that's true. But a lot of things we hang ourselves with, I'm not saying literal, who was in control of that was me and you. Me and you. So, so in, the, in our relationship with God, we work together. It's a relationship. It's a working together in what God's done. I uh, said this, and we're going to flip into Matthew 16. I said this at a meeting some time ago, and I probably shared it here. And Sorry if you hear it again, but bless God you're going to. Uh, I, I said some folks had got up and sung a song, and, or songs, and then I got up to minister. And I said, if I could, I don't remember exactly how I said it, but I said, you ever heard the old saying, I wash your mouth out with soap? I said, my grandmother would say that sometimes. I'd like to wash your mouth out with the Word of God. Because sometimes what we're declaring isn't in line with the Word of God. I'm going to give you the example, and we're going to Matthew 16. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. That was one of my favorite songs when I was young. Actually, the, the, the one I used to request was when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Now, man, I would request that. And that you you know we we think things we sing we say we 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 put our mind to doesn't account for anything but think about this some glad morning when this life is over that song goes totally against the truth in Christ totally Paul says in Colossians you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So your life was over at the cross. When you received Him, your life was over and His life began in you. A new life. So that was over at the cross. This life is over. The problem is we, we attribute just natural living to the gospel. And what has to happen is God has to reveal what's in Christ to us. And that's the journey we're on in our walk with God, is God revealing what's Christ 
in us, to us, and through us. But at Calvary's cross, He died, and you died with Him. That's Paul's epistles. He writes this over and over again. He writes it so many times, he probably meant it. It's in there so many times. He probably, it probably wasn't just some little something because he seemed to write it in letter after letter after letter so it was meant for the church to get a hold of and become aware of it. So when Jesus, and we're on the subject the church is his body, this, is, this first nine minutes is the first message. Now we're in the message. So, the church which is His body, the fullness of Him that fills all in all. This is, this is the overlying scripture that we've been dealing with and probably will deal with for a long time. But in, and also Matthew 16. So you're going to hear Matthew 16 probably numerous times. Verse 13, when Jesus came in the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now mark that. I, the Son of Man. So that's a question. And they said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some you're Elijah. And others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? But who do you? And this is where it gets personal. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee. But my Father which is in heaven... And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now this is from the kingdom of heaven. That's where the loosening and binding's from. We've tried to loose and bind a lot of stuff, but he's speaking specifically of the kingdom of heaven. So whatever is of the kingdom of heaven you loose shall be loosed. So anyway, then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Why didn't he want them to tell anybody? Why did he tell them, don't tell nobody who I am? Well, that's a question. Everything the Lord says and does should be a question in your heart. Now, when you come into this set of Scripture, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Many of us, including myself, fall into the idea of Godhead. We do. Of what's the Godhead? The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And it's common in Christianity to fall into that. Now what I want to say to you is he's saying more 
in the understanding of the Son of God than just Godhead. And see, see, inside of Christianity, especially in Pentecostal, there's been this idea of two ideas, two predominant, I mean, there's many ideas, but two predominant ideas in Godhead, in Pentecostals. One is a triune God, which is made up of three individual beings, Father being one being, Son being another being, and Holy Spirit being a third being, and all three are one, and these three make up the Godhead. Now another side of Pentecostal has an idea of oneness, that God is one, and He's manifested Himself in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These two ideas are inside of Pentecostalism. If you go into Pentecostal, you'll run into these two ideas. They're there. There may be a bigger picture than even both of them. I may lean one way personally more than another. It's not I may, I do lean one way personally more than another, but there's maybe a bigger idea from God's mind than what we've reduced it to, to debate on the Trinity or oneness. I will tell you this, the word Trinity is never in your Bible. Your Bible never says God is a Trinity. It's just not there. So if it's not there, evidently it wasn't so important for us to get wrapped up into the idea of it. But a lot of people are so wrapped up into that idea, they can't hardly move any further than that idea. They're, they're stuck in ideas. They're stuck in mindsets. But Son of God and Son of Man, which Jesus put, puts forth here both, Son of God and Son of Man. And He is known in the Gospels as Son of God and Son of Man. That's how He's known in the Gospels. So, so that definition has something to do with the Christ, the Son of the living God. So both Son of Man and Son of God should be known by you and I who are believers. We should understand because he asked them, whom do they say I, the Son of Man, am? Well, the Son of Man is declared in the Old Testament. And Brother Bob pointed out this morning that it's very important for you to know the Old Testament. Because if you do not know the Old Testament, you do not know what's declared. So, so and this is where a lot of people get mixed up is they don't know the Old Testament so they don't know what was declared of the Son of Man. There was a Son of Man declared throughout the Old Testament and, and this Son of Man was going to gain the keys of David. He was going to gain the majesty of the Most High it's declared in the Old Testament. So so, Jesus is the Son of Man that the Old Testament 
declared. Wasn't just talking about a son of man. It was talking about the son of man. And to get a hold of this, I have to become a student of the Bible. If I don't become a student of the Bible, I probably will not get a hold of it. So I have to study it. And the Spirit of God has to deal with me. And this is what's wrong in the church. The church has become a meeting on Sunday morning and a pastor or teacher preaches for an hour or 30 minutes or 45 minutes and for many in the church, that's all they get from week to week to week. I was never intended. Never was it intended. So for you and I to know, we need to be students of His. What do you think a disciple is? Why do you think they called Him teacher? Because they were His students. So they were there to learn of Him. And that's where we need to come, is to a place where God can teach us. We have to come there. I, I have to come there. I have to become available to the Lord. So, so when I look at this son of man, flip back to Isaiah 7. If I read everything I have here, this will have to turn into two weeks, because I can't read it all in, a, in the period of time that we have, as we'd be here two or three times at, Brother Andrew. But Isaiah 7, verse 10, said, Then the Lord spake again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God, make it deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Listen now, O house of David, is it, too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men, that you will try the patience of my God as well. Therefore the Lord will give you a sign. Now this sign was specifically to the house of David. Get a hold of this. Listen now, O house of David. It's what he says. O house of David. The Lord Himself will give you a sign. Here's the sign. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son. Here's the sign to Judah or to David, to David's house. And she will call His name Emmanuel. So this sign was unto the house of David. And if you read on down here, what's going to happen to the house of David isn't real pleasant in the natural. But when this sign comes, it was, it was speaking specifically toward David's house in the natural. So when Jesus says, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? He's speaking specifically to the prophets 
A virgin's going to be with child, and she's going to bear a son, and they're going to call him Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So the time that God had, had, had placed upon old Israel when this happened was coming to pass. Most of God's people don't understand this, that this was toward Jerusalem. Now it was toward the whole world, but naturally speaking, it was toward Jerusalem, toward the house of David. And what was going to take place was this son that was coming, he was going to rule David's house. So, so that got the Israelites or the Jewish people's attention. Also got, what was his name when Jesus was born that had all the babes killed, Brother Bob? What? Okay, Herod, Herod, King Herod. Got his attention. You know what got their attention? The scripture. The time that was upon them. Because there was a time destined for a king to come. And those that understood the time of that day knew it was about the time. So when Mary was overshadowed with the Holy Spirit and Jesus was birthed in her, all that God was saying in the prophets was being fulfilled. And the time was at hand for Jerusalem. I sat there looking at this last night and I get blown away. There's, there's so much to see, to say, to study, just blows me away. Deuteronomy 20, I'm just going to give you a few scriptures in verse 33, and you can read 15 through the end of Deuteronomy 28. I'm just going to give you a few of the scriptures. God speaks to them, tells them, well, if you don't obey my law, a people you don't know will eat the produce of your land and all your work, all your toil. All your days you will be oppressed and crushed. Now this is him speaking to his people. Verse 52 says, And he shall besiege thee in all thy gates until thy high places and fence walls come down wherein thou trusted throughout all thy land. And he shall besiege thee in all thy gates throughout all thy land which the Lord thy God hath given thee. Verse 58. If you will not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear His glorious and wonderful name, Jehovah thy God. So, in the book of Deuteronomy, God does this multiple times. He tells the Israelites, if you keep my covenant, I'm going to bless you. 
He says it's going to be in one place. He says it's going to be like heaven on earth, either in Deuteronomy or Numbers. But if you don't keep my covenant, I'm going to lay a siege to your city. So when Jesus comes on the scene and tells them that they're going to lay a siege to the city, this isn't some new thing, or this isn't something that's going to happen 4,000 years in the future. He's talking to Jerusalem who's there that very day that a siege is coming to your city. Because He's the King that is prophesied of. And He's who all are going to bow to. That's why. So Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. Jehovah, thy God, this is again that son of man, Jehovah thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren like unto me. Unto him you shall hearken according to all thou desirous of Jehovah thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembling, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of Jehovah my God, neither let me see the great fire any more, that I die not. And Jehovah said unto me, They have well said, that which they have spoken, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. Now this prophecy was specific again to Israel. Now it applies to the whole world, don't get me wrong. But it's specifically to Israel. So when Jesus said, Who am I, the Son of Man? Who, who do you say I, the Son of Man, am? Or who do they say I, the Son of Man, am? This is who the Son of Man is. He's the prophet that was coming that had the words of God. That's who He is. That Israel had to hear. And if they did not hear His words, He said, it will be required of them. And John 1, it says, as many as received Him, Gave he the power or the authority to become children of God. But see, those that did not receive him, it was required of them. It was the fulfillment that God had said through the prophets. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the prophets. Isaiah 42. If I don't go back and read the prophets, I don't understand who the Son of Man is. And I probably am not going to understand what's meant by Son of God. I'm really not. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. 
He will not cry nor lift up his voice nor cause it to be heard in the street. A bruised reed will he not break and a dimly burning wick will he not quench. He will bring forth justice in truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he have set justice in the earth. And the isles shall wait for his law. Thus saith God Jehovah, he that created the heavens and stretched them forth, he that spread abroad the earth, and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein, I, Jehovah, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thy hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a what? Covenant. Of the people, or to the people, for a light to the Gentiles. So here's the covenant. Here's the covenant to the people. Ever who the servant is. That God's speaking through Isaiah up. That's the covenant. No longer is the covenant. The law of Moses. The covenant. Is this servant. The covenant is this son of man. That's the covenant. So whatever God cut in Christ, that's the covenant. So if you want to understand the covenant of God, you have to understand the Christ of God. Or you won't understand the covenant. It's that simple. So He's the covenant of the people. He's the light of the Gentiles. To open blind eyes to bring out a prisoners from the dungeon and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am Jehovah, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise unto graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. That's what Jesus said of himself. He said to the Pharisees, he said, you search the scripture. And in them, you think you have life. This is in the book of John. John chapter 5. It's written there. You search the scriptures. And you think you have life. But these are they that testify of me. And you would not come to me that you might have life. So all the scripture testifies of him. So when I come to understand what is meant by the Christ, I have to go back to the Scripture to see what is meant by the Christ. I have to go back and understand who this Son of Man is that's declared in the Scripture. Why did He have to become the Son of Man? According to Paul, He wasn't a man like us. As much as we want to think that, according to the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul said he was in the form of God and thought it not robbery to be equal of God. So, so if I search my Bible, what was God's form? God is spirit, according to the Bible. So he was in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be made equal of God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. And here, what does Isaiah Prophesy, behold my servant. So he took upon him the form of a servant made in the likeness of man to die the death of the cross. 
So what's significant is as a man, he come to die the death of the cross. And the cross was way more than the two pieces of wood they put Jesus on. The death of the cross was way more than that. The cross was the Lord himself. Yeah, he died on two pieces of wood. But he is where man comes to the cross. They come to his death, to his burial, and to his resurrection. That's what the Apostle Paul, I believe in my heart, understood as the cross. Not just the, the two pieces of wood they put Jesus on, but when Paul's dealing with the cross, he's talking about the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's the cross. Because there's where you cross over. There's where you cross from death to life. Nowhere else. I don't come to life anywhere but in the cross. It's the only place I can find life. That's what Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to get into these things, these I am's that he called himself in the coming weeks. But here is God's covenant is in the person of Jesus Christ. So the church which is his body should understand the person. This is my pointing this. If you're his body, I hear a Christian say, we should understand our identity. And I want to say to them, well you better get to understanding him because Paul describes the church as his body. So if I don't understand His, I probably don't understand my identity. I probably have an identity problem. And one of the biggest problems in the church is we think it's all about us. That's one of the biggest problems in church. It's all about me and you. No, it's all about Him. And thank God it is because... I've seen enough of me, and you've probably seen enough of you. And if you haven't, just ask God to show you enough of you, and you'll get tired of you. Just like I got tired of me. Because I could never be good enough. But He's enough. And the beauty of becoming His body, and the beauty of being in covenant with Him, is everything He did... In the body of his flesh is attributed to me. Everything Jesus did is attributed to me and you. That's the truth. So everything he did. So he died to sin. And Paul tells you, don't you know you're dead to sin? Because what he did, he attributed, that's the covenant God made. You, you say, well, I still sin. Doesn't matter, that's God's covenant. That's the covenant God has cut with you. What is in Christ is the covenant that's with you. You can argue that all day. And you won't win. Because God cut a covenant. And when God cuts a covenant, 
just like he did with Israel, he cut a covenant. And that word was in force until Jesus come. Now this word has no end. See, the word cut in Christ isn't like the law of Moses. It, it doesn't expire. It's not going to have, there's not a better word going to come somewhere out here in future. This is the eternal word that God has given forever. You don't believe me? Turn to Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9. It's alright if you don't. Isaiah 9, verse 1. It says, but there, shall be no gloom, but there shall be no gloom to her that was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time hath he made it glorious by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Here's how he's going to make it glorious. Who come out of Galilee? <laughs> Who's this declaring? Who, who do you imagine he's talking about here? When he's talking about making it glorious, he's talking about the Christ. He's talking about Jesus. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation, thou hast increased their joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his, his oppressor, thou hast broken as in the day of Midian. For all the armor of the armed man in the tumult and the garments rolled in blood shall be for a burning for fuel of fire. And here's why. For unto us a child is born. Here's the Son of God. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. How long is his government going to be? Eternal. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from henceforth even forever, the zeal of Jehovah of hosts will perform this. In other words, God said, I'm going to perform it. <laughs> That's a pretty powerful statement. My zeal, you know, the Lord says here, my zeal is going to perform this. So when we started today saying, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Upon the throne of David to order it and establish it from the time the child is born, from the time the son is given. Upon the throne of David. So, so it brings to your mind in the natural at least, when the time came and the child was born in Bethlehem and King Herod and the Pharisees and scribes are sitting around, this is a thought in my mind, may be incorrect. 
they're going, uh, oh, my time is over. It's finished. Because God is going to raise up one, liken to his brethren, him you're required to hear, and God is going to bring forth one that they're calling wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the Son, His name is called all these things. And He has no end. So there's no end to Him. Now how is this to be? It's what Mary said, how's this going to be when the angel speaks to her and says, you're going to bear one and he's going to be called the son of the highest. And, and there, the increase of his government shall have no end. I believe it says it again there in Luke 2. It refers back here, the increase of this son you're going to bear has no end. So, how's it going to be? Well, here it is. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform it. And this is what the angel said to her. said, Mary, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, according to your translation, is going to come upon you. See, the zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to perform it. God's going to come upon you. And that thing that is born in you shall be called the Son of God. So everything the prophets declared of Him was now in the midst. And see, here's the problem that we have in Christianity. We've reduced this thing down to a fight of the Godhead. That's what we've done. And it's so much more than that. I mean... I mean, I wrestled with the Lord myself with this scripture many years ago. Because the Lord brought me face to face with Isaiah 9-6. And He asked me, He said, well, who am I? And everything that I'd been taught fly, flew back in my face of what I thought. And this is the way God still does with me. The if I could say the difference I have now is I want to let everything I think I know go. Back then, I, I was just coming to the place of the confrontation that I was starting to be willing to let it go. I'm to a place in my walk of God where I'm willing to let everything go. Just to know by Him. And see why it's important for you to understand this is you're His body. You say, well, Brother Wayne, why do I need to understand all this? You're the body of the Christ. That's what Paul said. That's who you are. So if I don't know who the Christ is, I don't know whose body I am. And that's the problem in the church. They don't even know who they are. Most of God's people believe church is the building they go to or the time of the week they get up and have... Somebody like me speak to them while I went to church. The church is his body. I want you to gather. I think you should gather every week. So don't get me wrong with what I've said. But, but coming here doesn't 
make you the body of Christ or not coming here doesn't make you the body of Christ. But as the body of Christ, you should assemble. The church is His body, the fullness. How much is fullness? All He is. So how much of Him do you think I probably need to know? Oh, how much should I set my heart to know it? Why is this? Because you, you ever read the scripture, you will rule and reign with Him? Who's ever read that? Raise your hand. He wants you to rule and reign with Him right now. The problem is you don't know what you rule and reign over. See, He wants me and you, give me about five more minutes, to be His rule and reign in the earth. I'm trapped here, Anita. I'm wanting to run down through here. So He wants us to rule with Him over sin, over death, over hell, over the grave. Because He does. He wants us to rule with Him in everything He is. And see, see, if I would come to know Him, my speech will line up with what He is. And who He is. See, like death. Jesus said, what of Himself? He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in Me shall do what? Never. How much is never? None, nada, it's not going to happen. <laughs> As we'd say today. Shall not die. See, we attribute death to the Natural man to the body. Jesus attributes death and life to himself. He said, He that is dead, Paul's speaking of the death of Christ, he that is dead is free from sin. So he attributes, Apostle Paul attributes death to the whole world as the death of the cross. And he attributes life. To who Jesus said is life. I am, he said. What did he say I am? I am the resurrection and the life. So when I read about the resurrection, see what has to take place in my heart and mind, usually when I read about the resurrection, at least because this was what I was taught, Sister Sheila, resurrection's an event. Someday we're going to be resurrected. Jesus said, I am. This is who I... Whoa, 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 whoa Martha. Because this is what Martha says. Martha says, we know. You know, you could, you could almost hear Martha getting on her, her glory land shoes here for a moment. We know that someday Lazarus is going to raise up in the resurrection. Jesus did... Get, get a hold of this. You've all read this. Jesus didn't say... Sister Martha, you're right. Did he? <laughs> no. He said, Martha, I am the resurrection. And the Apostle Paul writes this over and over and over again in his epistles that you died with him and you were raised with him. That's what Paul writes. Epistle after epistle after epistle. You died with Him, you were raised with Him. 
So if Christ is your life, and Paul says Christ is our life, you're never going to die. Doesn't mean your natural body won't end. Because Paul said of himself, he said, I have kept the course, I've finished the race. And what's laid up for me is a crown of life. Which is the life of Christ. And Peter said the same thing. It's come, it's come time for me to put off here my tent. He called his body his tent. But he wasn't looking at going into the chilly hands of death. And Apostle John had a pretty good understanding of it. And he says, you have passed from death to life. That's what Apostle John wrote. See, because life is a person. Life is an event. It's the person of Jesus Christ Himself. He is your life. So in the coming weeks, we're going to look at Him. We're done this morning. You can turn me off. That's what we're going to look at. We're going to go back and we're going to look at Him identified in the prophets. I'm going to give you an, an extra little bit. Probably should put this on everything, but I turned it all off. This is Wayne's view. Okay? You can make it your view if the Lord shows you. I believe the Lord's shown me. But this is my view in the Godhead. Okay? God is spirit. Period. God is a spirit. It's what Jesus says of His Father. God is a Spirit. John says of Jesus, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? If God is a Spirit, then the Word was Spirit. Okay? In the beginning. That's in the beginning. So God who is Spirit creates man. Here's mankind. God whose spirit wants to dwell in man. So how he accomplishes this is he makes himself a body. That's what he says in, in the book of Psalms 132, verse 11. You can go write it down, you can go read it. He says, speaking of King David, he says, Of the fruit of your body, I, I, Jehovah, I, Jehovah, will set. S-E-T, upon your throne. So God was saying, I'm going to come from your fruit, David, and I'm going to set upon your throne. God who is spirit. Well, this Jesus Christ was said to have the, you know, destined for the throne of David. So God himself made himself a body and came in the form of a man, the man Jesus Christ. That in the form of a man, he would gather up all mankind to himself. That mankind would now dwell in Christ. And in Ephesians 1, it says, He gathered together all things in heaven. How much? Where did he say God his Father was at? In heaven. So if he gathered up all things in heaven, he gathered up all God was. In heaven. And all things in earth. In him. 
Ephesians 2, Paul says the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of the deity, dwells in Him. So all of God you're going to know is in Christ. All God is is in Christ. And the Holy Spirit come, which is still the one true God, because God is a Spirit, and He reveals the work God did in Christ. Because that's what Jesus did. He took the work that He did in the form of a man and He returned it to the Spirit that He came out of. And now you and I participate in it. And that's what this Gospel is. So, if you want to find God, you're going to find it in Christ. You're not going to find God anywhere else. He, he tells you, I'm the, I'm, a, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He could have said, in me. Because he told him over and over, he said, the Father that sent me is with me, he's in me. I'm in my Father, my Father is in me. So these ideas, this is again my view, you can agree with it, disagree with it. These ideas of three men sitting up in the sky, God is a spirit. I'm, I think Jesus is right, and we're wrong. See, we've had these ideas. I had this idea preached to me as a kid, three men sitting in the sky. I believed it. That's what people told me was the truth. So I believed it. Until I was confronted with Him. Now, I was a Christian when I believed it. God didn't not save me because I didn't believe everything right and he's not it's not the way he works if that was true we'd all be in trouble today because I'm sure we got some ideas in our minds that probably aren't right but anyway I just want to throw that out there I'm done any